0: Blob Talk Radio Ten, nine, eight, seven.
1: across the number one internet sports talk show in the world and welcome to our affiliate radio stations this is the balance my name is tom marquis el presidente you are my minions you will pay homage to me over the next two hours as i am on loan from god to bring you the best news and sports over the next two hours i will guide this ship through the crazy maze of of sports 917-889-8516 is my digits give us a ring well the brewers dodged a bullet it's coming down to a game seven brewers come alive at the plate i tell you what it's going to be i i think everybody as far as in the media and advertising sakes go they want to see a dodgers red sox uh world series but myself i tell you what this is a fun story these milwaukee brewers are legit 2018 we're gonna be talking about that later on in the show also standing by in our in in our balance uh, green room is matthew Membry, our official indycar contributor we're gonna be talking about some indycar uh funny season it never stops i tell you what we'll see what's going on as we get geared up Yet again for another season of, of IndyCar. And, of course, NASCAR on tap as well today. It's been a couple of weeks since we got into NASCAR. In the second hour, executive producer of The Balance and hosting uh, and host of Breaking Rink will join us for some more college football talk. Uh, and then we'll get into some NFL talk as well. At the bottom of the, of the last segment, we'll get into some NFL talk. And, of course, of course, we're going to get into some fall classic talk My name is Sal Michael Sal President hey, Again, 917-889-8516 the digits Stand by, it's about to get good
0: Tonight
2: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant Ewan, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals, see live educational shows, feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
4: When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing.
0: Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow.
4: Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood.
1: all right and welcome back to the balance my name is saul marcus presidente time to tee things off we're joining us now uh is our official indycar contributor matthew Embry. matthew how are you doing we got some uh funny season information to talk about today no Alonso, fernando and 2019 our world comes crushing down sir Matt, you're going to have to speak up. We can barely hear you, buddy.
5: Yeah, I don't know what the issue was with that, whether it was David Land that started it or whatever the case was. But, uh, yeah, I just didn't have much credibility to this happening. I mean, I played along with it as much as I could, but even my insiders were telling me all the chances of it happening were next to nothing. Uh, Just the money involved – the scenarios involved to make this happen, it just was just too much to ask for at this point. I don't think even though, yeah, IndyCar is making progress, keep in mind IndyCar still does not have a title sponsor for 2019. Uh, The teams still are questionable whether they can expand and some other new teams, whether or not they're going to join the series or not at this point. So Ultimately, I think right now the best opportunity for Alonso right now is going to be another Indy 500 shot uh, because the opportunities for part-time and stuff like that, I think, have gone by the boards, especially for a brand new team because, yes, even though there is, you know, still five months before the season opener in St. Petersburg, uh, that five months uh, could pass by real fast uh, if you don't make uh, plans and get everything done as far as testing and all that stuff and preparation, so... Uh, just the scenarios just didn't work out well for Alonso to get this thing going for 2019, but uh, if he wants to break out on his own and possibly find a ride for 2020, uh, he's more than welcome to do that, but I just don't think uh, McLaren's going to be involved uh, in anything at this point.
1: Matthew, do you think that uh, Fernando Alonso has uh, officially opened up the door to uh, the crossover?
5: Kurt for- the Indy 500, I would say potentially yes. For a full season at this point, I would say no.
1: Okay. Well, we'll have to see what happens. I think everybody, every IndyCar fan, uh, and, and whether they admit it uh, publicly or not, every IndyCar owner uh, and team uh, would like to see Fernando Alonso. Certainly, IndyCar would like to see Fernando Alonso a part of the for sure. we got uh, news as well, do, do we not?
5: Yeah, ECR has announced that uh, of all people, Ed Jones, yes, the same Ed Jones who lost his ride at Ganassi, is going to run the road course races in the number twenty Fuzzy's Vodka machine when Ed Carpenter does not run the road courses and then course. Uh, Ed Carpenter will take over that car on the ovals. They have also announced that Scuderia Corsa, a team that was also talked about as possibly uh, being a part time runner in 2019. It looks like that's not going to happen, but they will pair up with uh, ECR for an Indy 500 ride. So that incurred, in- guarantees that Jones will have a shot at the 500. Uh, i gotta say uh it's, things have really dropped as far as uh, ed jones's stock i mean this is a guy that two years ago finished second in the or third in the annapolis 500 Seemed to be on cloud nine got the ride with ganassi only managed two podiums during the 16 race season and if you're running for ganassi i don't think that's gonna be enough to keep your seat ultimately felix rosenquist is going to get the ted car ride this year that left jones without a seat and now uh of all things, he's not even going to compete in all the races uh, next year. So things have uh, dropped almost a rock bottom for Ed Jones. But, uh, yeah, it's going to create an interesting scenario for us. And I think every time we're going to be doing the uh, little things at in Indianapolis during the of Bay, I think we're going to keep messing up who's in the 20 car every race for whether it's uh, <laughs> IndyCar or for the Indy 500. So uh, they just made it wonderful for us, didn't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, it's never to be talking about the indianapolis 500 here in indianapolis speaking of indianapolis we saw some cars on the track uh this past wednesday for the firestone test i know drivers are very optimistic about uh that uh it is certainly some changes that were made by indycar and uh, certainly uh willpower scott dixon alexander rossi tony Ed carpenter uh Graham Ray hall uh, all were uh out there uh doing the testing uh in both cases it sounds like it was a uh, success anyway what are your thoughts about the firestone test out at the indianapolis motor speedway this week
5: i think basically the thing they're going to need to work on and the big issue was especially during the long runs the ability to allow the cars to run wide open uh from run to run uh, because that's one thing i think you noticed in this year's indy 500 if you were standing or watching in turns one and three you could hear the cars back off entering the turns and when you do that you just can't build the momentum necessary to be able to get runs whether or not you have a draft or not and that's how the field got so spread out and why it was so difficult to pass beyond the restarts couldn't hold it wide open uh, on the long runs and it made it impossible to gain ground and be able to make passes and uh Hopefully, that's one thing that's going to be fixed. Uh, obviously, Firestone producing a tire that can last uh, a fuel stint a little better, I think, is one thing that will help things. But, uh, yeah, the big thing right now is uh, making it be able to where it's easier to overtake uh, during the long runs and not to where you have to make a kamikaze move on the restart. Because that, all that does just creates extra risk for the drivers. And uh, last thing we need is another issue where we have a, another car getting in at the catch fits like what we had with Robert Wickens uh, in Pocono, certainly.
1: Yeah. And valid point there. And uh, it was good to see some Instagram pictures uh, posted with James Hinchcliffe and Wickens uh, and their dogs. Uh, and uh, it looks like he's uh, certainly uh, still in a wheelchair, uh, but it looks like he's on the road of recovery. So you're absolutely right about that. Now the Speedway uh, underwent some uh, seal coating last month and combined with uh, Firestone's new tire and aero changes, it, 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 according to Will Power, anyway, uh, it felt grippier to the defending uh, Indy 500 champion. So let me ask you this, though: Is this going to be an issue in May? Because um, we'll have some time and weather, and a lot of a lot of elements have gone between now and then uh, in May. But uh, do you think this um, uh, seal coating will be any issue at all in, uh, in coming up in May?
5: Depends on how it reacts over the winter. If it does not do the job, they may have to do something like a diamond grind again to get things down. The big issue, though, is will that affect the stock cars when they come back? I think they seem to have the bigger issue with any kind of adjustment to the track, uh, as is shown by that uh, tire issue they had uh, several years ago. So uh, the big question, I think, right now, I don't think it's going to affect the Indy cars as far as grip, et cetera, but it'll be interesting to see how it affects tire wear, especially for the stock cars uh, when they come back uh, next September.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, we'll see what what goes on. Obviously, they call it the funny season uh, for a reason. Uh, As we go across uh, the the stables here uh, in the 2018 funny season, uh, anything stands out, anything you're looking at, anything you're watching, obviously, uh, this mclaren uh, fernando Alonso deal was something all eyes were on. Uh, Certainly, we talked a little bit about Ed Carpenter, but is there anything else going on inside the funny season this year in 2018?
5: Well, the question, obviously, uh, who's going to replace Wittgenstein-Schmidt? Uh, if I had to guess at this point, I'd say Carlos Bunos is one possibility. Corner looks like he's going to go with Santino Ferrucci, a uh, very controversial driver, a few things that he said that cost him a shot, possibly at an F1 career, and he's trying to make uh, a name for himself and reestablish his image uh, in the U.S. and in IndyCar. It looks like he's going to be confirmed uh, before the end of the year as the second driver alongside Sebastian Bourdais um Colin right now may have two seats available uh, Marcus Erickson who drove with the old Caterham uh, F1 team is viewed as one possibility I still don't think Charlie Kimball's the guy uh, for the third seat uh, keep hearing the news that uh, Nova DoorDisc, his sponsor continues to pull back their support as far as the amount of money they are willing to give him to seek a ride and considering what he did for Carlin, the only top five, and was much more competitive than Chilton, I think it's a slap in the face of Charlie Kimball that Novo Nordes keeps pulling back the support on him because it makes it tougher for him to keep a ride. I mean, it cost him the ride at Ganassi last year. Uh, I think it's going to cost him the ride at Carlin because I think there are drivers out there, say a Zachary Clayman DeMelo, a Pietro Fittipaldi who have bigger budgets and might be able to take that right away if it is a ride going to the highest bidder, that third Carlin seat. And I think the same thing applies uh, for the potentially third Rahal seat as well as far as the highest bidder. So, uh, yeah, it's great that, you know, you have a commitment there with a driver who is battling diabetes and you have a sponsor there to support, but the sponsor's got to, you know, be able to, provide the necessary money to make it possible to secure those rides and right now uh i'd say right now a shame on nova dordisk uh, for not providing the money necessary to allow charlie kimball to stay in the series because unfortunately i don't think he's going to be able to keep that seat at carlin uh, for 2019
1: well, absolutely, and as as we always see in the in the uh, funny season, as we get into the uh, 2019 season, we see uh, sometimes we see a lot of shake and bake, and it certainly appears that that's what's going to happen uh, this year. You know, a lot of the times uh, during the funny season, the rumors start to speculate about additional uh, races in the next season, additional tracks, or uh, subtraction of tracks or subtraction of races. What are we hearing there? I mean, are we hearing about any any? Uh, 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 a brazil race are we hearing about a a race uh in mexico are we hearing i mean i heard some rumblings about laguna what what all are we hearing about additional tracks or lack thereof
5: so laguna is going to be the last race of the season that's been a commonplace when it was in the kart series uh in the late 80s early 90s so they're in Phoenix is out. They just couldn't draw the necessary uh, attendance to keep their their spot in the field. And add to that, uh, the track just with the new layout and the more banked dogleg really just did not equate well for the Indy cars to allow for passing. And uh, Circuit of the Americas, uh, the F1 circuit, has been added as well, uh, much to the dismay of uh, Eddie Gossage. So I think, depending on how the relationship goes there, I'll be very curious to see uh, how Eddie Gossage is willing to. You know, hold. Uh, you know, share some of the load uh, with Texas and Circuit of the Americas both be on schedule, and uh, it may be a tougher sell uh, for Mark Miles to be able to convince Eddie guys to stay on the schedule in the future. Uh, in the time for as far as renegotiations come, the longer uh, Circuit of the Americas uh, is a successful event, but uh, right now at this point, nothing going on about uh, Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez at uh, Mexico City, and uh, Brazil uh, still nothing going there. And uh, right now, yes, IndyCar is gaining ground, but I think right now to add an extra burden where they have to spend the extra money for an overseas race or an extended race where they have to, you know, lockbox the cars and have them transferred by plane uh, to Mexico or to Brazil, I still think we're a little ways away from being able to successfully do that uh, without adding too much of a financial uh, hit on the teams and the series of being able to do that because that was a big burden when they had to make the trip to Sao Paulo, for instance, uh, for the street races uh, a few years ago.
1: We're talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. We're going to get into a little bit of college uh, football talk as well, Matt, because I know that here in just a moment, because you're also a team member of uh, Breaking Rank, which is our college football show. We'll be back on target we've been having a hiatus due to just life uh <laughs> and getting the, the podcast together but we are back a uh, things going this wednesday with rick rick and myself and you will get into some college football talk here in a moment but uh, also you know according to racer magazine uh james solly sullivan says the new uh aim vaser sullivan imsa weathertech sports car championship team will not replace or affect It's ongoing efforts in the IndyCar series. Sullivan and longtime partner Jimmy Vassar uh, joined forces with Dale Coyne racing last season to co-enter the number 18 Honda driven by Sebastian Bourdais in the new IMSA deal in place with Lexus and Canada's AIM Autosports. The duo intends to maintain a presence in both series. Is that sustainable, Matt?
5: Well, UNCOS is trying to do the same thing with the Cadillac program and uh, Daytona Prototype International. So they're not the only team that's trying to make a jump. And obviously you've got the Penske Acura program. Uh, it should be sustainable for them. It looked like, based on that initially, I thought that might be a sign that they were trying to break away from COIN. That's not going to happen. They're going to stick with COIN for at least another year with Sebastian Bourdais and the SEAL Master sponsorship. But uh, keep an eye on If it does gain traction, uh, we could see a breakaway team uh, with Sebastian Sullivan uh, possibly involving Board A, possibly by the year 2020.
1: Matthew, let's get into some college football talk. Matthew Embry, awesome up there in uh, Notre Dame country uh, at one WSBT. Uh, certainly Notre Dame is on a bye this week, but i yeah, tell you Garth what. Garth Brooks
5: I, is uh, taking over Notre Dame Stadium tonight.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. Garth Brooks is up there tonight. I totally forgot about that. You going to the concert?
5: It's too much of a messed up out of that area, so I've just stayed away. I got other things to do.
1: <laughs>
5: that actually I totally agree. earned me money. <laughs>
1: I understand. I tell you what, though. Yeah, he does a good show. He's been here in Indianapolis. And uh, last year when he was here, I think he did an unreal amount of shows, like seven shows, unreal. Good show if you ever get an opportunity to see him, Garth Brooks, up there at Notre Dame Stadium. But Notre Dame, though, undefeated. here. We, and We talked about a lot of scenarios on breaking rank and here on the balance about Notre Dame, about teams that have been challenging to them. But it seems and it appears, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but it certainly it seems like uh, on the surface that when they made that quarterback change uh, in um, right by, right around the Wake Forest game yep. time, that things started uh, turning around. Maybe, after all, that was a good decision.
5: Well, it's clear Brandon Wimbush is struggling. And they had to make a change, especially with the way the schedule was going, because they're getting too close to comfort, especially against Ball State and Vanderbilt. Granted, they did have their issues with Pittsburgh, but again, that was a very bad time to schedule. That was right around midterms. A lot of that had to be done as far as schoolwork, and that takes a lot out of you. So I think that had a lot to do with Notre Dame's low, lackluster performance this past week against Pitt. I think you can excuse that, and sure they still got the win. But uh, yeah, the thing right now that you have to wonder, though, is you, know, you hear all these things. Uh, I don't know if you were paying attention to... Uh, Twitter or some of these websites, uh, Tim Brando really went after Notre Dame and say that they just will not be competitive if they make the college football playoff. The same inferences have been made by Paul Feinbaum. And uh, before you start bashing this school, keep in mind, we don't know what the other schools and who else is going to be else in the playoff. I mean, there may be a matchup where Notre Dame has a chance to possibly get to the final. Uh, If they get stuck with Alabama, I mean, you never know. I mean, Alabama's a super team. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that you get to the college football playoff, considering the hoops that Notre Dame has to jump through, I'd say that's accomplishment. I don't think condemnation really is warranted. I mean, we saw everyone bashing Notre Dame when they got blown away by Alabama. They didn't deserve to be there in the college football championship in 2012. They had a pretty tough scam to get through just to get to that game, and everything that happened before then, with, you know the Manti-Tao uh, scam involving the, the so-called just, uh, Lene Kakua, a lot of distractions there that mess things up. And then ultimately, you look at the scenarios and it just, things did not come together on that night. But just to say that them getting there and the th- same thing's going to happen again, I think is so unfair. I think we just need to wait and see what happens. I mean, Notre Dame could get there, they might not get there. There's still some tough teams. USC is an ever improving team. And then obviously, Florida State, you never know what might happen there when they play at South Bend. And then, yeah, Navy could be a pronged team as well. So, we just have to wait to see what happens here. But I think it's very unfair for folks like Brando, Feinbaum, and all these other guys, Mark May as well, that keep bashing Notre Dame and say they are unwarranted just because they're undefeated make it the college football playoff. They get to undefeated based on their schedule. I believe they more than qualify to be one of those last four teams in the playoff.
1: Well, you're talking about a little bit about Alabama, and uh, we can't have college football conversations without talking about Alabama. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, they got Tennessee uh, this weekend. Should Nick Saban uh, have uh, to uh park on the bench this week? I mean, it seems like that's a quarterback that with Tennessee, that's a game that, that they can do without. Uh, does uh, Nick Saban uh, set uh, to a Uh, and I'm not even going to try to say his name today against Tennessee, but it looks to me like that would be a a good advisable move for Nick Saban uh, to to set uh, Tua against uh, Tennessee. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, here's the thing. Remember, Alabama, even without Tua Tagovailoa, still has Jalen Hurts. And even though, yes, Tennessee – just manhandled Auburn at Auburn last week. I don't think they're going to have anything to be able to handle with Alabama, even with Jalen Hurts under center. Uh, You just need to protect that knee uh, for Tago Vailoa. It's a very uh, freak play where he had the knee issue and uh, to put any more stress on it and possibly where he tears an ACL or an MCL, knocks himself out for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, Alabama can overcome it because they got another solid quarterback like I said in Jalen Hurts, but uh, I'd rather not them going through that avenue especially when you still have the iron bowl game against auburn which has nothing to lose at this point and then possibly uh, georgia in the sec championship game or lsu uh you still have a couple hurls to jump here and uh i think right now it'd be better served uh, to save your ammunition uh, for those games because i just don't think even though tennessee yeah is riding a little momentum they're still the same tennessee team that is not the same tennessee team when Phil Fulmer was the coach, was a dominant team and a threat to win in the SEC. This is not that team right now.
1: Well, i tell you what, we're going to get into a lot more college football talk with Breaking Rank uh, uh, host uh, Rick Riggin, executive producer of The Balance in the second hour, uh, but certainly as, as we uh, look through uh, what's going on in the top 25, Jim Harbaugh has redeemed himself. I will eat crow a little bit on Jim Harbaugh. Still overrated, still overpaid, uh, but has delivered some wins for Michigan. Today, though, uh, they've got some brotherly love, if you will, or brotherly hatred, if you will, an in-state rivalry against Michigan State, what are your thoughts on that game?
5: Michigan State had a big comeback to win in Happy Valley last week. against Pet State and knocked essentially Pet State out of the college football playoff picture, but you have the letdown game coming into play, and even though yeah, the game is in East Lansing, I think uh, Michigan does uh, able to escape this game and continue their run to possibly get themselves back into the college football playoff, but especially if you're a Notre Dame fan, you are hoping Michigan does win that game.
1: Well, as we as we look around throughout the top twenty-five, what are the games that stick out most for you uh, going on uh, this weekend in the top twenty-five? Well, certainly, again, we'll be talking more about it later on in the show. Uh, but just on a high level, as, as we as we walk around the top twenty-five uh, teams, uh, who do we think might have the biggest uh, chance for an upset, or who do we think uh, might uh, be the opposite direction, if you will, in the top twenty-five?
5: I think we'll lose Oklahoma this week. I just have a hard time thinking they'll get out of Texas Christian uh, with a victory. TCU, I think, is stinging right now, and they are looking to get themselves back into you know a little bit of respect. And the great way to do that is to beat Oklahoma at, on your home field. So a good chance there, possibly for an upset. Uh, you look further down the list, uh, the Clemson-NC State game. If NC State is to be billed, I mean, they're still undefeated. Uh, Giving uh, Clemson a battle in Death Valley would be a great way to go. I don't know if they're going to have enough, though, to beat Trevor Lawrence and company, but that could be a very close game, closer than some people expect. Uh, Washington, Colorado. Colorado got embarrassed by USC, a chance to get back in Seattle, possibly Doc Washington out. Pac-12 really needs Washington to start winning, though, if they want to have a chance at getting anyone in the college football playoff at this point. And then uh, LSU, are they still legit? Uh, they still have another test coming up against Mississippi State today in Death Valley and Baton Rouge. They got the win against Georgia, but, again, that letdown game factor, uh, always a factor there. it be easy to see if Mississippi State could do anything. And uh, I talk about close calls. Uh, UCF uh, coming close against Memphis, I believe. Today will be the day that winning streak comes to an end. I picked East Carolina over UCF, and I love Purdue, but I just don't think Purdue's going to have anything to challenge Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins that game big in Ross State Stadium tonight.
1: Yeah, Ohio State is, you know, one uh, team that you you love to hate, I guess, Uh, certainly if you're in the Big Ten, certainly if you're an IU fan like myself. uh, Certainly – Uh, You know, Ohio State is is also undefeated as well. Uh, But sometimes when we talk about strength of schedules and we talk about other teams who have a stronger schedule because they're not Ohio State, aren't getting the look and the, uh, that love that Ohio State gets from the committee. But Ohio State, I mean, uh, has certainly had a lot of uh, controversy at the beginning of their season. It seems like that, that they've avoided that distraction. seems like it hasn't been a distraction at all. Uh, what What are your thoughts about Ohio State uh, this year overall, uh, especially considering the Urban Meyer uh, scandal or controversy that began the season that a lot of people thought would overshadow the season, but just appears to have gone away.
5: The fact that they blew through the first three games without Meyer and got those wins easily, I think was a sign that they're going to be a competitive factor. And uh, then they come from behind, win against Penn State. And I think that will continue uh, this weekend. Uh, Purdue, like I said, has made some strides back forward, but uh, I do not believe they are ready to be a number two team in the nation at this point. I mean, they've had some big wins at Ross State Stadium, especially when Drew Brees was there and Joe Tiller. Uh, I just don't think Jeff Fromm and company are ready to make that big of a jump and uh, knock out a number two team in the nation, uh, even though it is at Rock State it's going to be a raucous crowd. You have national television there with ABC. I just don't think they have what it takes to uh, give Ohio State a run for their money. Uh, if it is a close game, I would be very surprised, and that's why I was a little bit surprised when ABC announced that this would be their game for Saturday Night Football, because I think there were some other options out there that made more sense than I thought would have been closer than, say, Ohio State versus Purdue.
1: Matthew Embry, uh, our official IndyCar contributor and also team member of Breaking Rank College Football, a show that we do on Wednesday nights, 96.1 WSVT. Matt, you want to stick around and talk some NASCAR with me and Steve? You got to go, or what's up?
5: Got some producing to do, but uh, like I said, follow me at Twitter, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. And like I said also, I will be keeping a close eye on eSports, one of their big events, the Classic Tetris World Championships. It gets underway in a few hours of the qualifying phase. Uh, Jonas Neubauer going for his eighth title, but uh, there's going to be a serious challenge from Europe and a serious challenge from Japan, and also the 15-year-old Witch kid from America because he possibly shocked the world. So a lot to look forward to in Portland over the next few days.
1: All right, thank you for having yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon, sir. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, also uh, joins us uh, for a breaking ranking and college football talk uh, from 96.1 WSBT. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente, myself and Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, breaking down NASCAR. They're out in Kansas. You're not in Kansas anymore. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
2: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant Ewan, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Michael Selle, President, and roll along on a Saturday. I'll tell you what, uh, talk a little bit of IndyCar uh, funny season uh, with Matthew Embry, a little bit of college football, but it's time to get into some NASCAR talk. Uh, Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor and editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. Steve, welcome to The Balance. I know you had a good time down at Dega. Good race. Uh, Talladega, as always, uh, uh, delivers a a great experience for the fans. Uh, uh, So we'll get into... uh, All of the NASCAR talk here in just a moment, but it seems like it's been a month of Sunday since we've had you on. How are you, sir?
6: I'm doing all right. I've been busy chasing, racing, and uh, yeah, so we only got five more races left in the season when we hit Kansas on Sunday.
1: I tell you what, and it's getting it's tight, it's getting good. Talk with us a little bit about Talladega, and what did you see in Talladega? And uh, when the dust all cleared, uh, it appears that we have. Well, we we don't want to speculate, but we certainly appears that we have uh, a very good possibility of a champion in our midst.
0: Um. Well, this
6: is the first time I had ever been to Talladega. And my first impressions of that place I've been to Daytona multiple, multiple times And Talladega is just a massive, massive facility Um, You know To see it on TV Doesn't do it justice to be honest with you It's just just so massive Out there that um, You you just can't see everything You just can't do everything Um, But the place was Just pretty much insane As far as that goes the Fords out there, Stuart Haas racing all day long, dominated the day. Uh, Kurt Busch, uh, Eric Almaroa, and uh, Kevin Harvick, and um, you know, those guys, uh, Clint Boyer, just they just figured something out and they practiced with one another. They and every single time on the restarts, they worked with one another better than we've seen other teams. We've seen Toyota to work with one another at these uh, plate-style tracks. But something with Stuart Haas this weekend that they had figured out that even though they were mixed up some on some of these restarts, it was within a lap or two, maybe three or four, that they were hooked up and back together. I mean, at one point they were running as many as – uh 6 seconds 7 seconds in front of the main pack just four cars out there and that's something that we've not really seen before uh at these plate style tracks uh unfortunately for you know Kurt Busch Clint Boyer, um those guys uh Kevin Harvick you know they 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 uh had some issues right there at the end they tried to stretch fuel a little too far and Eric Almirola, uh one of that Stewart-Haas racing uh team did go to Victor Lane out there for his first Monster Energy NASCAR uh, win. Uh, he's won out there in the Xfinity Series. He's won at uh, Daytona in the Xfinity Series, but he finally just put that cap on that his first Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series win. And uh, I think he showed that he has a lot. He, he he's approving it at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, and and uh, the the unfortunate part the, the other unfortunate part to uh, to uh, Talladega is that While we did not have the big Wreck while we did not have A lot of cars tore up During the race uh, Kyle Larson who did have an Early incident in the car Was penalized 10 points he was Already below the cut line as it Was coming coming out of Talladega he'd lost 10 more Points for a faster For that the team used To repair the car during one of the Earlier incidents and Martin Truex Jr., the 2017 champion, is going to have to dig himself out of a hole this weekend at Kansas because he also is way down there. He's behind the cut line, not very far. He needs a few points. Uh, he's got a good starting position at Kansas this weekend. However, two people or two drivers that you know had a potential to go on are in risk this weekend of not going on to the round of eight.
1: Well, it is the round of eight. So let's start a little bit here with Gary, and we'll just kind of talk about the top four, then we'll go to the other uh, four, if you will. Uh, Christopher Bell, Justin Allgager, uh, Daniel Hemrick, uh, Cole Custer, the top four in your round of eight at Kansas uh, certainly, Chevy's been very, very strong, and I tell you what, in, in
7: silently
1: a silent killer, if you will, has been one Daniel Henry. Um, yeah. So you know, Christopher
6: Bell, he he's won, he's won at just about every stylish track that we've seen or gone to this season. He's very strong right now for Joe Gibbs Racing in that twenty car. He's got a lot of competition, however, behind him. Daniel Hemrick, is that silent? You're right. He he hasn't won a race, but he's finished consistently well enough and got a lot of points in the stages that he is going to be somebody that they're going to have to continue to watch out for. And we've seen this before. We've seen where Ryan Newman in the past has gone all the way to Homestead, Miami Speedway with with consistency. And not a lot of wins, and you know this this is the path that, that Daniel Hemrick is 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 going down at this point. Uh, Cole Custer has had his up and down season. He does well at certain racetracks. He does well for a certain stretch, but then you know, miscues either on pit road or incidents on the track. Sometimes not by his, not by his own doing. Uh, you know, he, he they, the that team has to figure some of that stuff out if they want to try and get to Homestead. Because they, 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 they were on a similar path of last year. And they missed out going to Homestead. And Cole Custer won that race. A non-playoff driver won that race last year. He could have been the 2017 champion had it not been for some of the same miscues that we're seeing in 2018.
1: Well... Absolutely. So we'll see how that how that pans out. Kansas is going to be a make or break race uh, on both the Xfinity side and uh, the Monster Energy se- Series side. We we'll look at the other four: uh, Elliot Sadler, uh, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Matt and Cedric Chevy. Very very strong across the board here. Uh, but certainly, I think a lot of eyes are on Tyler Reddick.
6: Yeah, Tyler Reddick does have a lot to prove. Um yeah, that that team they've won in Daytona and. The, you know they they've just not had a lot of success. The that team working together in a junior motorsports car. Typically, we we see a lot of success, or we see uh you know a consistent ex, uh, success in cars like that. Uh, Elliot Sadler, for example, you know he's in his final year, but they've had a fairly decent amount of success. They haven't lit the world on fire by any means but they're having consistent success. Um, You know what, Tyler Reddick, in in some instances, uh, he has his flash points. He hasn't – I don't think that he's up to par with some of his teammates at this time. Um, I think coming next year with Noah Gregson taking over that number one car, uh, two drivers that are, you know, fairly close in both capabilities and and age – and experience uh could be helpful to for both of them uh you know with that veteran Elliot Sadler over there, he brings a lot of knowledge to drive younger drivers, but sometimes you need drivers are closer to not on your experience level but uh closer to your age and closer to you know performance level so that they can work on one another and make one another better and I think that will help next year. With Tyler Reddick, I don't see him moving on. I don't see him going to Homestead at this point. Um, They may have some few. uh, They may have a few runs between now and the cutoffs with the round of four. Uh, But at this point, I just don't see him moving on.
1: Well, we'll certainly see how it all pans out. Let's move on over to the Monster Energy Series, Um, and before we get into the uh, the round of eight with them as well, uh, what do we know about Kurt Busch and his future? Uh, where he's going to be out in 2019, or do we know? You know, Kurt
6: Busch, there's been a lot of rumors that have swirled around in the fact that that Monster Energy is looking to move away from Stuart Haas racing, that they're looking at going to uh, you know, uh, Chip Ganassi racing. Jimmy McMurray, he's out of the car. He, he won't be in that car next year. However... Um, You know that that could potentially move Kurt Busch over there, but there is continuing talks that seem to be going on in the background on who's going to go where. Um, You know, and a lot of this is really surrounding the fact of where Daniel Suarez goes. Uh, You've you've got Martin Truex Jr. that's going to that 19 car, but. The key to this is is that where does where does Daniel Suarez go? Um, the 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 sponsor is tied into Joe Gibbs Racing areas at this point. Um, I think that there may be some possibilities that they're looking at an exit plan. Uh, this would involve Carlos Slim, who has backed Daniel Suarez for a majority of his career through various different uh, businesses that he owns, uh, and if. There is an exit plan if there is that removal of Daniel Suarez and the sponsor um, that that was rumored to go in the ninety-five car, which is now going to be Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, I, I think that hinges on where Kurt Busch goes. Uh, Kurt Busch may they may find they may find a way to work another one-year extension over at Stewart-Haas Racing, and then see um, you know Daniel Suarez go to Chip Ganassi Racing. But really, a lot of this. Depends on and hinges on where does Daniel Hemmer go and how that exit plan from Joe Gibbs Racing sponsorship was is going to all pan out. So I think there's a lot of things that we're still waiting on. There's a lot of rumors at this point, but uh, you know that that's 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 what's going on now. It's very silly at this point.
1: Well, we're in the round of eight, if you will, and as we go into Kansas, uh, and uh, certainly uh, the round of eight is, is pretty cut and dry. You've got Eric, Eric armadella uh, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, uh, Clint Boyer, and Martin Truex Jr. Certainly Martin Truex Jr., the defending champion. we've been Our eyes have been on uh, Kevin Harvick uh, and Kyle Busch all year long, but it looks like Chase Elliott, man, He's uh, he's making a, a sprint to the finish. Yeah, Chase
6: Elliott. He he he's won. He just won again just a couple of weeks ago. The uh, for the second time this year. Uh, I I think between the two of uh, between him and some of the others that are up there, we we've you know they they run their course. Honestly, at this point, from this point on out, the next three out of five events that we're going to are going to be 1.5-mile racetracks. That's where the, per, uh, the 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 drivers that we've seen, Eric Amarola, the, the Chase some um, Brian Blaney's of the world that have won at events, uh, that's where some of their consistency is going to end. Uh, these 1.5-mile racetracks play very well into the hands of the Kevin Hart Kyle Bushes and the Martin Truex of the World Um, and and I Think this is where we see Those drivers or those three Drivers potentially come to the Top and that's providing the fact That you know Martin Truex jr Is able to keep himself in, In this round After the cutoff at uh, Kansas this weekend. Um, we've we've got drivers obviously below that line, sitting right above the line. So there's a lot of fluid. They can be very fluid at this point. Uh, but I would look at some of these drivers that we've seen perform very well, and we've seen the the Chase Elliotts and the Ryan Blaney's and the up and comers come to the top of, uh, of 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 the of the mountain that throughout the various points of the season. But we're coming down to a point where Many of these tracks and many of these events played very well into the hand of three dominant uh, uh, cars this year.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Jimmy Johnson, just because he's Jimmy Johnson. And and I think a lot of people uh, might subscribe to this theory that he's the next big name to retire, although a lot of people say he's going to be around. I think one of the things that we saw in the, at the end of the race was Charlotte kind of really uh, shot him in the foot as far as getting his eighth title. Obviously, it ruined him and kicked him out of the, uh, the playoff scenario. We're seeing stuff like that with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson says he has no regrets, but I'm just curious as, uh, as to your thoughts on the future of the great Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, you know, uh, a lot
6: of people, you know, a lot of people think that Jimmy is going to hang around this sport and just hang on for for quite some time. Jimmy Johnson is in good health, and there there's there's no doubt about that. Physically, he's in very good health, uh, but his driving career is coming to an end, and that's a lot of people. A lot of people is going to have to come to grips with that fact, whether it's one more year or two more years. His driving career in NASCAR is coming to an end. He is not going to win that eighth championship. We've we've seen a decline in the performance over the last two years. He's on a fifty-plus winless streak. This is something that he has never had in his career. Um, his performance while uh, has bright spots. There's been plagued all season long by just continuous issues. Some of not of his own doings, some things that he's put himself in position for. That, uh, like over at uh, the Roval, uh, could, he, he was overly aggressive to some extent. Uh, he he made comment that if he wasn't as aggressive, he would probably move, be moving on. You have to give him credit for being aggressive, and, and that is something that many drivers would not have done, and Jimmy Johnson tried to make the car stick, and it just didn't work out. So you've got to give him credit on that fact. There's no doubt that he cannot drive a car uh, in any series, to be honest with you. But his driving career is coming to an end. Uh, You know, Lowe's is is moving out into a smaller role, if a role not at all. Uh, He's had them on the car for the last uh, about 15-plus years that have funded his career in NASCAR on various levels, the Bush Series and now the Monster Energy Series. Um, but at the end of the day, he's going to have a place in this sport, but it's just not behind the car. I mean the wheel of the car, and that time is coming to a close.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's what everybody are talking about. And certainly we'll see what his next role uh, is. And, and obviously, uh, you know, drivers might get out of the car, but they don't ever really ever go away from the races. So uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about the starting lineup in our final few minutes in our segment. Joey Logano gets the pole out there at Kansas. Uh, certainly Logano can uh, clinch a spot in the next round with just 35 points. And then you got Kevin Harvick, uh, Stuart Haas uh, Racing, Eric Amendola, uh Ryan Blaney, Brad Koloski. Eric Jones, Kyle Bush, Daniel Serez, Denny Hamlin, and Alex Bowman, and Kurt Busch round out the top 11. I think it's interesting
6: yet again this week that, you know, Kansas hasn't been attractive. We've seen as many Fords sitting on the top as we have, but we have five Fords in the top five, seven, seven in the top ten. Uh, you know, this, this is something that I don't know what Ford is doing at this point. And mostly, I think this is being led not only by by uh, Stuart Haas Racing and Penske. Uh, they've made a change somewhere in this this car or the way that they're 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 working with these cars um, to to perform much better. And we've not seen that. We've seen the Martin Truexes and the Toyotas of the world really come to the top of the of the the top of the cream of the crop at Kansas. Um, but this gives light into the fact that these guys may not be the, the cream of the crop coming into Kansas anymore or throughout the rest of the season. Um, you know, Eric Almarola, he's running yet again this weekend. Carl Bush is, you know, he's 10th, although uh, that that doesn't mean anything. I think you'll see a lot of these cars start working together yet again like we did at Kansas. Um, but. I think there's going to be some surprises. to be honest with you. I think some of these drivers are really going to become more aggressive at this point. Uh, but some of the teams seem very disorganized at this point. Joe Gibbs Racing last week at Toyota seemed very disorganized. Danny Hamlet said as much that they were kind of disorganized, not only Joe Gibbs Racing camp, but Toyota overall was disorganized. Uh, where Ford, uh, all of them are starting to work together. Chevrolet has had a very lackluster season, unfortunately, um, and especially at these play tracks, while Austin Dillon may have won the daytime of 500, um it it's been downhill from there. Um, you know, but I think we're going to see this weekend. We're going to see the the three usual suspects out there. I said earlier that you know these 1.5 mile racetracks they play right into the hands of the Kevin Harvicks, the the Kyle Bushes, and the Martin Truexes of the world. And some of these have more to lose than others. And Martin Truex is one of those at the bottom of that list that you know they have more to lose. He can't. He has got to get up there. He's got to get as many points as he can get. Uh, he 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 just cannot wait around. And and unfortunately. Sometimes being overly aggressive and trying to work yourself into an event or into the next uh, round uh, could cause disaster also at the same time. Same way with Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson is way underneath that cut line um, with the points. He's almost a whole race out. His only pathway to moving along is either win uh, win tomorrow in Kansas or he's going to be shut out in a championship run.
1: Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Always appreciate your wealth of knowledge. We're in the round of eight in Kansas. Uh, Appreciate you uh, joining us today. Any final thoughts or words words of wisdom as we get ready for Kansas? I think it'll be an interesting race tomorrow. I think it'll be an interesting race
6: today um, with the Xfinity Series out there. Uh, You guys can follow us on Speedway Digest uh, at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com. Um, Forces uh, Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Uh, Brett Wenningham is out there this weekend covering everything from the ARCA Series Championship last night, in which Sheldon Creed won the 2018 Championship, the Kansas uh, Lottery 300 today, and the Hollywood uh, Casino 400 tomorrow.
1: All right, buddy. We look forward to following along with you, and uh, we'll catch you again soon here as we get it, uh We're getting closer to a, a championship. Uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. Have a good weekend, sir.
6: Thank you. You too. Take care.
1: Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, breaking down the round of eight as we get closer and closer to NASCAR champion. My name is Tom Mark. Stayed in our balanced green room is Rick Riggin, our executive producer and host of Breaking Rank. We're going to be breaking down some college football action. Notre Dame on a bye, but that doesn't mean that other teams are not. My name is Tom Mark El Presidente. 917-889-8516 8, 8, 8, 8, is our digits. Stick around.
0: I might hurt yourself.
1: No, to get the color red, the blue.
0: Woo, shit. Woo. I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep up.
2: Woo. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be a far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eel, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: All right, welcome back to the balance. One hour in the books. 917 8516 is our digits if you want to give us a call. Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, talking a little bit about the IndyCar funny season. Also, uh, through a little bit of uh, a sprinkle of uh, college football teasing us, getting ready for what's coming up next. I'm Mid Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, talks with us a little bit about the round of eight as we are getting closer and closer to a championship uh, race champion in the NASCAR. They are out in Kansas. But joining us now is the semi-retired Rick Riggin. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> uh,
8: well, the question is, how are you doing? You doing okay after that drunken Duck?
1: Oh, my gosh, brother. I'll tell you what. Man, that that, that, <laughs> that that's one of those drinks where the Ducks uh, – they they seem all nice, and then they they sneak up on you. It was a <laughs> it
0: was
1: a it was a little rough getting up this morning, but hey, yell I what? I, I'm I I, I
8: giving you a hard time about it. I, I don't I don't really oppose the drink. I just think I didn't like the two like rubber ducks <laughs> making out sitting on top of the drink. I think that's my problem with it.
1: Well, it really only comes with one duck. I, I went out there with some friends. I did have a female companion with me last night, and um, so I stole her duck and put it in mine. And was making them kiss. And so I had to take a picture of it, you know. So, yeah, fun times. But uh, good food, fun times. And I'll be 50 by the end. By, uh, when our show starts next week, I'll be 50 years old. So I'm just saying that's a half of the oh, century wow. of life. <laughs> we're, we're just talking about how things have changed over the years. You know, like, you know, my friends all have kids. They all have cell phones. And it's like... I didn't ever have a cell phone when I was a kid. Of course, cell phones weren't around. I remember my dad was the first one in our family that had a cell phone, and it came in a bag, and it looked like he was getting ready to call in air support. That's how much uh, things are right, changing now. Yeah. That, <laughs> that would rely on, uh, on, on everything. But, yeah, the, the Drunken Duck, uh, certainly uh, a drink that that I don't know what is all in it. I have no idea. It's It's got a multiple, I think eight or nine different types of liquor in it. And it's uh comes it's it it, it comes in like a uh, like a big, for those that didn't see the picture it's like a like a big fishbowl beer type thing but they call it the lagoon man. Well, maybe you should post I'm the right.
8: picture for the uh, listeners out there on Twitter or something uh, like that. <laughs>
1: i'll do that it is on my instagram it is on my personal uh twitter it's also on on uh uh, facebook as well well rick rick and i tell you what we got some college football to talk about we'll get into that uh, as well but uh uh the colts have buffalo at home buffalo's playing their third string junior varsity quarterback if we cannot win it's r.i.p brother
8: well, I still think that division's wide open in a way cuz I don't think any one team in the AFC South really stands out, but the Colts need to get some wins because starting off at 1 and 4, uh, it's not looking good for uh, Frank Reich in his first year in Indianapolis.
1: Well, as you've said many times and use your words, you can't judge a coach by the first year. You got to give him time to to acclimate and a lot of this stuff just That's is right we got we got luck back but but there again when you have other injuries like doyle and others it's hard to it's hard to put this together when when you're dealing with uh injuries and and that sort of uh stuff as well well, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish are on a buy this week, so let's talk a little bit about the top 25, and we're going to be getting back into uh, the hope is anyway that we'll get back on uh, swing with Rick and Rank uh, this Wednesday uh, to uh, to talk a little. Bit. I think that's actually my birthday, as a matter of fact. But uh, so we'll get into college football talk, but we're going to let's uh, do our own version of the balance uh, breaking rank. Let's start with, of course, what else would we start with number one Alabama, Nick Sabanini. His uh day against Tennessee. They really need him later on in the season. It's not a must play for him today. What are your thoughts?
8: I agree. I they need to just sit two of this game. He's banged up with a knee injury. It's a kind of a nagging knee injury and he carried in with him to the season. And then he got hit again. Uh, are you
0: laughing? <laughs>
1: oh, Okay. All right. I'm going to, I have to clue you in here. Uh, the female okay. companion that was with me last night is listening to the show. I gotcha. said, I did not, I did not know what was in the drunken duck. Her text I thought you were the, laughing. At the stuff
8: I was saying, I don't know. Well,
1: I'm multitasking. So, okay. Here's the ingredients gotcha. for the drunken duck. Uh, melon, liquor, blue, uh, car, uh cargo, orange, vodka, rum, pineapple juice, and Sprite. So now we know what's in the drunken duck, and I, I'm sure I just said it, said it wrong. C-U-R-A-C-O, uh, orange vodka, rum, pineapple juice, uh, Yeah, and Sprite.
8: I don't know what yeah. you said, but that's Ciroc.
1: Yeah.
8: <laughs> Ciroc life. You live that Ciroc lifestyle, aren't you? Well, thank you, Lady Companion, for the uh, ingredient list and the information. <laughs> Uh I'll swear Tom away on, on his uh, uh, pronunciation on some of these drinks. But, yeah, living that strong lifestyle, with the, uh, making out a rubber duck on top of the uh, drinks.
1: Well, you got the picture. You can post it also. You have uh, you have uh, posting uh, ability yeah, at, I guess, to I guess. the ballots. <laughs> All right, we're All right, back we're on, back we'll, on get track. back on track. Two of the
0: needs to
8: uh, probably just uh, sit this game out, uh, you know, smooth transition back into college football here go ahead and set this one out. Uh Saban that's kinda not Saban style. He's been saying all week that he's just fine. Uh Tennessee plays good defense. Uh, I don't think they are gonna have enough on offense, not even kind of, to hang with Alabama. But uh they might be able to hold to a to a that kind of rhymes you say that way. <laughs> sound like a saying <laughs> to a, to maybe three touchdowns, uh, I I don't know. Uh, if they play Jalen Hurts, Bama might actually be in, in a closer game than what everybody's thinking. But I think Tua is, again, going to play in the first half, even though he probably should just go ahead and sit this one out. But I think Tennessee's defense is going to step up. They're not going to have nowhere near the horsepower on offense to hang with Alabama.
1: Well, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And that's why I think this is a good time to let uh, Tua Hill um, may not be very popular with fans and may not be very popular with the media. But I think. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm on the fence with this a little bit, but I, I just certainly think that this is a good time to rest your quarterback because you're really going to need him in the in, in the final stretch of, of the season. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the top 25 teams, Rick, and certainly obviously a, kind of a teaser for what's coming up with breaking rank. Um, I think week eight is going to be a little bit bonkers, much like a week seven. Uh, and we're not – And that we're kind of into the portion of college football schedule where every weekend looks clearly coincidental, if you will. And so each week on Breaking Rank, what we do is we break down the rankings. And as they come out, and we we strategically placed it on Wednesday so that we can talk about the game, uh, the ranks and the games and so forth. So let's talk a little bit about number three, Clemson 6-0 against number 16, North Carolina State. Uh, 3.30 today on ESPN. North Carolina State, don't get me wrong, even though uh, they're ranked number 16, they're very, very good. And Clemson is good as well, but I think this could be a ball game. And honestly, in all reality, I think that, th- that this could be one of the upsets that you see this week where Clemson uh, gets upset by North Carolina State.
8: Uh, once again, I agree with you. It's two in a row today twice in a row hey, now, hey. And I agree with you. And, and I, I don't feel the earth shaking under like my it.
0: feet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it.
8: That, that's two in a row now. I, I'm with you here, too. I think NC State has a, a good chance to of pull off the upset today. There's only, like, seven undefeated teams left. NC State is one of them. They're playing against Clemson today. I'm still not sold on Trevor Morris as the quarterback for Clemson, you know, after Kelly Bryant left the pool and is transferring, so uh, we'll see. We saw them get beat up by a uh, Syracuse, Clemson did a couple weeks ago. They could have easily lost that game. Well, this ain't Syracuse coming to town today. NC State's a lot better team than Syracuse. Uh, Clemson's going to have their hands full, and I'm with you. This could be an upset.
1: Well, keep in mind, NC State has definitely played uh, Clemson really tough uh, in the last two years in a row. So we'll see how it plays out. Let's look at number five LSU, six and one, uh, coming in uh, versus uh, uh, number twenty two Mississippi State, which is four and two. I don't know that there's a lot to uh, to talk about on this game, but uh, an LSU uh, win sets up a, a uh, man ball Christmas, if you will. Are we allowed to say man ball? But I'm just saying it looks like uh, that that an LSU win will really uh, be a good win for LSU against number 22 Mississippi State?
8: Uh, that loss against Florida is the only thing keeping LSU out of the top four right now. The reason I know Notre Dame is undefeated, but if LSU would have beat Florida and been undefeated, LSU being in the number four spot right now, right now, not Notre Dame. LSU's defense is elite. It's, it might be, it's probably just as good, or maybe even, and I'll say it, better than Alabama's defense at this point right now. I don't think it's it, On offense, they're quite there with Alabama, but we're going to see LSU and Alabama here in a couple weeks. That game's coming up. That's going to be a great game. Those two defenses going head-to-head. It's just going to come down on Joe Burrow, the quarterback for LSU, what he can do against Alabama's defense, because we know what Tua can do. And uh, I don't think LSU would have their problems today. I mean, they just really took it to uh, Georgia. So, I don't think they have their problem today against Mississippi State. Mississippi State just isn't what they were a couple years ago. They are a good team, but no problem today for LSU. And Looking forward to LSU-Alabama showdown here in a couple
1: weeks. Yeah. Either, either way, the winner's eventual uh, game against Texas A&M could determine the SEC West uh, second-best team and a New year New Year's sixth spot. So certainly all eyes are on LSU Tigers today. Here's one that we talked about with Matt a little bit earlier. I'm going to get with Mo. as one of our, our uh, bloodline bet games that we're going to talk about here later on uh, in, in the last half hour of the show. But uh, And that's uh, number six Michigan against number 24 Michigan State. Now, I'll be the first one to eat crow on Jim Harvey ball in Michigan I still think he's overrated and overpaid but at the same time he has been been able to muster some wins together but Michigan State and Michigan that in-state brotherly love or brotherly hate rivalry uh, could really have some serious implications today Um, I think Michigan can beat Michigan State but at the same time if they fall asleep at the wheel brother it's all over
8: yeah, you're uh, – I want to agree with you a third time here. <laughs> you're just I, I not going to agree.
1: Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
8: well, if Michigan State pulls off this win today, then Michigan's playoff hopes are 100% done. I mean, they might already be done anyway because there's a lot of people out there saying even if Notre Dame gets one loss, takes, takes one loss, then the argument is they own the tiebreaker over Michigan still because they beat them head-to-head. So – yeah, you know, Michigan's chances are, are still kind of, It's a good chance, but a small chance at the same time. And a loss save will completely eliminate them from the playoffs. But I, I, I think Harbaugh gets it done this year because only because of State Patterson, the quarterback. Harbaugh's not had a quarterback like this at Michigan. Uh, he he's been great ever since that loss at Notre Dame. Michigan has been a, a great team. That's the way I thought they they would be this year. They would get better and better and better after play Notre Dame but they just wouldn't put it all together in week one against Notre Dame Uh, it's turning out to be exactly the way I thought it would and Michigan is uh, they're probably going to win pretty big today against Michigan State but they lose if Michigan State can pull off what they did against Penn State last week uh, Michigan's playoff chances are over
1: well the Wolverines have perfectly handled business for six weeks but the committee needs to see them finally beat arch-rivals and I think this could be the week that that happens. If it doesn't happen, like you said, the, the playoff hopes are over. And let's let's go out west. The the west never gets any love from the committee. We've talked about it before. Washington. We've talked about Oregon. They're both uh, they're both five and one. Washington State and Oregon uh, in the Pac twelve. The Pac twelve never gets any love from from uh, the committee. Oregon gets this done against the Huskies, and the Huskies uh, again, uh, they're going to not. Uh, see any uh, love by the committee as far as playoff goes they'll get in a bowl game but at the same time I think Oregon is really trying to be that representation from the Pac-12 but I still don't think that the Pac-12 is going to get any love from the committee no matter what happens today
8: Uh, Oregon's their uh, their only hope if you think Oregon looked a lot more physical this year than what they have everybody thinks of Oregon and the Chip Kelly offense uh, let me give you a little history lesson on who Mario Cristobal is because a lot of people have no idea who he is. Do you know who he is, Tom, Oregon's head coach? Have you ever heard of him before this season?
1: No, you're absolutely right. I hadn't.
8: All right. So Mario Cristobal was the head coach for Florida International for six years, and uh, he got let go after his sixth season, and he became the offensive line coach at Alabama, where he was there for four years at Alabama's offensive line coach. When Willie Taggart picked the head coaching job over at Oregon last year, Mario Cristobal went with him to be the offensive coordinator. And now Taggart's at Florida State. Cristobal gets the uh, the head coaching job at Oregon, and that is the reason why they look a lot more physical this year than what we've ever seen Oregon look, because he has an Alabama bloodline as their offensive uh, line coach. So that's the history lesson of Mario Cristobal. He has carried that. Alabama mentality basically up to working, and it is working. It's working really good, and they should be undefeated. I mean, they had some bad breaks in that game against Stanford. Uh, they had Stanford down by almost 30 points, and a couple fumbles here, interception there. Stanford comes all the way back and wins that game late. But Oregon should not have lost that game. We should be talking about them being undefeated right now, and that is the Pac 12's only chance of getting into the playoffs.
1: It's not going to happen. That's my that's my point. Uh, the Pac-12 is never going to get any love. Never, never, never going to get any love by the committee as long as we have a four team uh, playoff. I, I know what we've we've had the discussion about a six or eight team uh, playoffs, but as long as we have four teams, nobody from the Pac-12 is ever going to get in. That's just how it is. We've just got to be the reality of that. They've got to understand that. Fans got to understand that. And we've we've really got to stop talking about the Pac-12 getting in into the, the, the playoffs because it's never going to happen. Anyway, it is what it is. But we talk about the re, the other part of the fence, and we've talked about Ohio State. We'll, go, we'll move over to the Big Ten. They play Purdue today. They're on the road against Purdue. Obviously, Purdue is a lot worse than what we thought they were, but Ohio State's kind of where where we, they we thought they might be. We also kind of thought that this Urban Meyer controversy scandal, if you will, at the beginning of the season – would have been a distraction for Ohio State. Clearly has not, uh, Rick. Tonight, ABC, Ohio State, Purdue on the road, uh, really close.
0: Uh,
1: I think, here's the thing. Purdue has lost, I mean, they're 3-3, three three, so they've lost three games. They've won three games. But here's the deal. They've lost games very, very, very close. They very much easily could be a 6-0 and team. Very close. Uh, to to be in a 6-0 team. That said, strength of schedule, Purdue. So if you have an undefeated Purdue, which you don't, so this is just a hypothetical scenario, if you have an undefeated Purdue and you have an undefeated Ohio State, at the end of the day, Ohio State is going to get into the playoffs, again, going back to the strength of schedule. So I I guess the Buckeyes could really use a, a dominant road win, since I'm guessing the committee will have questions about Ohio State's defense but the playoff path is obvious either way here. But at the same time, this is going to be a good game to watch between Purdue and Ohio State.
8: I think it will be a pretty good game for a while, but I think Ohio State just pulls away late. And just uh, the, the outcome of this game, I think the final score will be, you know, not really a blowout. The game's going to be a lot closer, really, than what the final score is going to indicate because I just think Ohio State gets it done. And the score is not Ohio State anymore. It's not the whole scandal beginning of the season with Urban Meyer. It's Nick Bosa, uh leaving school and getting ready for the NFL because he had the abdominal injury, needed surgery, and he, uh, he made a decision to leave school because he's going to be a top five draft pick. So now he's just getting himself ready for the NFL draft. Without Nick Bosa, uh I don't think Ohio State's defense is a championship contender anymore. They're probably going to make the playoffs if they will make the playoffs if they still undefeated, but I think their national title hopes with him just leaving and what he did for that defense uh, takes them out of any chance of winning a national title this year. I think Haskins, their quarterback, if went for two, he'd be the highest front runner. I mean, they're one of the best passing offenses in the country, but they have underachieved in the running game, and now Nick Bolsa leaving, that defense took a huge hit now. I mean, he hasn't played since – second game of the season or something like that anyway. But I just don't think they have the horsepower on defense anymore to actually be a national title contender. They'll make the playoffs they went out. But with both of them leaving, uh, I think their title hopes just went away.
1: Which is, opens up a whole other can of worms about why he's leaving to go to the NFL because he's not going to be good in the NFL. But that's just another hot take for another day at another time. We'll come back well, and see I told he's not you. Gonna be
8: good in the NFL?
1: Because His he can't is. stay healthy, Rick He can't stay healthy He can't not stay healthy And what good does that do to an NFL I guess Let me word it this way
7: He'll be good right, enough well, to, you then, know, what, I, <laughs>
8: then you're saying he'll the same be thing your, by Andrew Luck You're saying Andrew Luck isn't uh, any good Now because he can't stay healthy
1: But he was healthy in right. college He He was healthy in college And he did not leave college early uh, to go, And he was quarterback There's a big difference between a defensive uh, player know, and a man. quarterback I mean, If
8: you look a pair of players can't, can't stay healthy And that's the reason why they can or can't be good I, we'll, he'll just get, take, we'll just look here and, We'll just take a look right get, here in the end We have one of those guys
1: He'll get on an
8: NFL team
1: We'll get down on the NFL team But there's no sense in him leaving college early To do that I, I think he's better suited with I, I you know, think Ohio that's State the
8: right decision honestly I think it's the exactly the right decision. That's a twenty five, thirty million dollar decision. He's gonna be a top five player. Look to, three years ago, Jalen Smith was going to probably be the number one he's pick only played that year two and for ACL in the bowl game. And now he's went and it got picked up by the Cowboys in the second round. It's a twenty five, thirty million dollar decision. I think that is the correct decision. Get yourself right, get yourself ready for the paycheck and and your 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 professional career. And I know the the mindset is don't turn your back on your teammates in college. So I don't think he did at all. I think he loves the game. I think he loves his teammates. But at the same time, it's a twenty-five, thirty million dollar decision. What he just did is a business decision, and I think it's the right one.
1: Well, I knew it couldn't last. We were getting along way too too easy. we were We were agreeing way too easy. It just never lasts like an old married couple. but what i what I, what I am saying is is this: here's what I'm saying you you You've talked oftentimes about the resume. It's not what you've done for me. Overall, it's what have you done for me lately? He's not played since game two. If you're an NFL scout trying to, for an NFL player, don't you want to see them, even if you're not finishing college, don't you want to see them play healthy in your final year well, in, in college?
8: He He's played 30 games for Ohio State, so there's more than enough film on him. And the, cat, the scouts have seen everything they need to see with him. He's, he's being compared against his brother, and – uh a lot of these scouts are saying that he's actually a lot more athletic and better than his brother Joey Bolsa, which is insane because he's, he he was wiped out in college. He's great in the NFL right now. They think Nick Bolsa in this 30 games of, of, of film they have on him right now, you know, are are comparing him to that already. So they, they have enough game footage of him.
1: All right, well, we'll let it be at that because we've got to get into some other games here. Um, and Matt and I uh, talked to, uh, touched a little bit on this game, and that's number nine, Oklahoma, 5-1 uh, and one at TCU, 3-3. Uh, three and three. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Oklahoma's uh, playoffs, Big 12 cha- uh, championship, is not uh, not really out of the uh, college uh, playoff scenario yet. I really don't think that we're looking at Oklahoma into the playoffs. The Sooners certainly could use some help and that's with the win today. Two straight losses is not going to help their case at all. And TCU, believe it or not, again we look, we look at the record and we think, well, maybe that's that's not the case against a five and one team. TCU, a three and three team, can beat a five and one Oklahoma State today. I mean, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, not Oklahoma State. Oklahoma today at noon. I, I just. Uh, look out for this game. This is one of those upsets and we'll be talking that's this another one, one of our bloodline bets that we're gonna talk about with Mo later. I I would steer clear of this game as far as money wise and as far as covering the spread and a went a loss here is just gonna demolish the Sooners.
8: Yeah it I mean that that's right. Uh Oklahoma doesn't play any defense for one, so that's why this game's gonna be closed and if you can contain Kyler Murray and I think you kinda can so, this could go either way. I mean, I, well, what, what's the line? Do you, do you have the line in front of you? What's the spread on this game?
1: Uh, I, don't, I don't have it yet. I was going to pull it up when I have my one. So, I really don't know. I'm uh, sorry. Well,
8: don't worry. I, I think Oklahoma gets it done. But here's the thing. You know, right now, Notre Dame is ranked fourth, and that is the wild card. And this whole thing, this whole playoff picture for, like, for everybody, Notre Dame is the wild card because Notre Dame getting in the playoff is going to leave two conferences out. And it's going to be the Big 12 and the Pac-12. So no Oklahoma, no Oregon, two conferences being out uh, because Notre Dame gets in. Uh, That's what we're really talking about in the playoffs right now. Uh, Notre Dame is going to be heavily favored in every game they have left. And teams like Oklahoma and Oregon, uh, as long as Notre Dame stays undefeated, have no shot of getting in.
1: Let's go back out west. We've got uh, Washington and Colorado, both Washington, uh, number 15, 5-2. Uh, again, going back to that strength of schedule, Colorado not ranked, but they are 5-1. and one. Uh, I, You know, again, we were talking about confidence statements in the Pac-12. A win could be a, a good winner, but I like Colorado in this game. This is a good good matchup. Colorado is a good team. They really are.
8: I like Colorado, too. They are a really good team. Is it? I'm about to hang up here in like four minutes because of the times I have like agreed with you today. Uh, I like Colorado, too, because I just think Washington got beat up so bad last week by Oregon that Washington is going to have a hangover this week. I think Colorado is going to sneak away with one here.
1: Uh, well. We got a couple more te- uh, teams uh, games I wanted to talk about. Certainly in the Big Ten, uh, let's let's move on over to Penn State. Penn State at IU, my Indiana Hoosiers. Penn State, obviously uh, four and two, ranked number eighteen. Indiana four and three, not ranked. Uh, but P- uh, Penn State uh, can still call its way back into the uh, NY six again. But remember what I said at the beginning of the season that Indiana is still a good team, and they're getting better and better. And I, I know I'm an Indiana homer. I graduated from IU. I, I, there's, no, there's no secrets there. There's no hidden cloth there. So, obviously, I'm going to be rooting for the Hoosiers here from the fan base. But also, uh, at the same time, I honestly, truly believe that Indiana can beat Penn State based on what they've shown us so far this year.
8: I think IU has uh, enough talent to keep it close. But I think Penn State gets the win. I'm I'm with you. It'd be great to see IU get a win against Penn State. Uh, IU's two wins away from being bowl eligible. You know, and some you know the games are dwindling down here, so they need to get a couple more wins somewhere. I'd like to see them get about three or four more wins. Actually, uh, I don't think it'll happen today, but I do think they have enough talent to uh, keep it close against Penn State.
1: Well, we saw what happened last week against Iowa, a total shellacking, if you will, and it was a very good reason why Iowa's ranked number 19. Right. They, they go against Maryland. Well, that's,
8: why I, uh, that's why I just kind of lack, lack confidence in IU, you know, so that's why they have enough talent. They're talented to keep it close against Penn State, but they have games like they did against Iowa, and that's why I just kind of lack confidence.
1: Well speaking of big ten team, teams with NY six aspirations, I certainly think the Hawkeyes can get it done. They play Maryland today. What are your thoughts?
8: Yeah, I'm not sure what happened to Maryland after that big win against Texas in week one, but I think Iowa's gonna get it they shouldn't have any problem with Maryland. Uh I don't know what that says about Texas football, you know, losing to Maryland two straight years first game of the season. But those two programs, Texas Maryland kinda of went the other way since that game, so uh, I don't think Iowa has any problems at all today against Maryland.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think this – I mean, it's Maryland. Come on. you talk about some give-me-wins. It's, right, right, it's Maryland. Come on. <laughs> so so we're waiting on, on Mo from the BS Sports Show to give us a call. Ricky can certainly hang around. We're just going to be talking uh, some more – NFL Ed could not join us. He uh, uh, is in New York City. His son is actually running, I believe, in the New York City Marathon. He's also uh, – I think he said it was his anniversary or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly. But he was unable to join us, so we're not really going to have an official NFL segment uh, today. But um, what are your thoughts about your Lions coming off of a bye? Uh, they're starting to ter- turn things up a few ticks.
0: Well, <laughs>
8: Uh I was saying, you know, when they beat Green Bay, I like, why are they beating the good teams like New England and Green Bay? And they they can't, like, you know, get it together against these uh the scrub teams like the Jets and the Niners and everything right now. I, I don't I, – that I, I don't understand. So, I, uh, are we considering the Dolphins a good team this year so far? They don't look too bad. Maybe this is one of these teams the Lions can get a win against because we're considering the Dolphins to be good. So, I think the, uh, the Lions uh, – can get it done against the offense. I'm just not sure because of how inconsistent they have looked so far. Like I said, they look like the worst team that's ever stepped foot on a football field against the Jets. And then since then they've looked a lot better. They should have beat Dallas. Uh, they, they could have beat San Fran. You know, these are late losses where they had leads. And, uh But they didn't let New England off the ground. And same way against Green Bay, basically. They look great against those teams. So they look good against the elite teams in the NFL and not so much against the uh, lower-end teams. So I, I, I don't know what to say about the Lions in this game. I mean, I, as a fan, I'm going to pick them to win, but I don't really know for sure. I don't have much confidence in them just yet.
1: Well, and, and, and i tell you what, I'm talking about teams that came awake, came awake, is that a word? Can I say that came awake, come awoke, come awoke? Aw, awoke. Awoke. <laughs> they awoke. The Denver Broncos, they awoke. Are you you there, Rick?
8: Yeah, I'm here. Everything just kind of cut out.
1: That is weird. (laughs) That is weird. Anyway, I I did not hear what you said, but go ahead. uh, Repeat what you said. I didn't say
8: anything. I didn't say anything. Just uh, you were talking. Everything kind of just cut out, so I just stood by.
1: (laughs) Sound like my ex-wife. Every time you talk, everything cuts out. I can't hear a word you say. (laughs) (laughs)
8: Well, anyway, we was so, talking about the uh, Woken Denver Broncos, but then that's where it ended. I didn't hear what happened after that.
1: No, that's what I said. They Something happened. They got a shot in the arm. Did you see the game on Thursday night, the Broncos game?
8: I did not watch the game Thursday night. I, I know that the, the Cardinals are, could probably get beat by a good 5A powerhouse high school football team because the Cardinals were that bad this year. Uh, I know what happened in the game. Uh, I I know that uh, Rosen went out because of a toe injury, but that's really that whole thing where you're embarrassed to be on the field, so I'm just going to walk off and say it's an injury. Uh, Cardinals look bad. I I don't give the Broncos any credit for anything they did in that game because the Cardinals are just horrible.
1: (laughs) You know, Josh Rosen is saying, can I get my money back? Can I just give the back yeah, and I go right. somewhere else? I don't want to be here anymore. That's not that what I signed Almost like I
8: can't stay on the radio because of Josh Rosen. But I just leave it.
1: Well, you know, actually, you're, you, you can't
8: you're say it. I just, no, but the, the time has passed, so I won't even say it now.
1: He shouldn't. He shouldn't even be playing right now. He should. Uh, um, um, brain fart. I am so sorry. I should know his name, but the quarterback. Uh, it's not Stafford because that's your... no, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, Arizona's quarterback, Josh Rosen. Not Joshua. No, the other guy, Sam Bradford. Oh, that's who it is. Why do I always get Sam Bradford and your quarterback at <laughs> the Lions mixed up? I don't know why I always do that. I have no I idea do.
8: because they uh, because one quarterback is really good and one quarterback is always injured. So I <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> well. Any which way, it's way too early for uh, for uh, Josh to be playing uh, with the Arizona uh, Cardinals. We're standing by for in the BS Sports Show. Uh, Rick uh, Riggin, executive producer of The Balance. We're going to be bringing back Breaking rank this Wednesday. Fingers crossed. Uh, are, are we still on track for that, sir?
8: I think we're on track. It's looking good. Looking good.
1: Looking good. You know, let's talk a little bit about the World Series coming up. We do not know who's going to be representing the National League, but we do know that the Boston Red Sox pulled off a win. Let's talk a little bit about that series. Did you happen to watch? I know you've got to be rooting for the Brewers, especially what happened between the Braves and the Dodgers. you definitely got to be uh, rooting for the Brewers, and this is a good story. I personally am rooting for the Brewers. I'm a National League fan. I'm a Cardinal fan. Nothing against the Dodgers. I mean, they've been here, done that before. I think any uh, major media outlet or anybody that's selling advertising uh, for the World Series and coverage wants to see uh, the East Coast, West Coast big market, uh, if you will, Uh, the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Obviously, if you're a Yankee fan, uh, you are not rooting for the Red Sox, but the Brewers is a good feel story. Good, feel good story. Good, feel story.
8: (laughs) I am rooting for the Brewers in this series because I think they're they're a National League guy too, being a Braves fan. I think they're a a really fun team to watch. Uh, But my whole thing with baseball this year is it didn't didn't matter between the Red Sox, Yankees, or Astros, which one of those three got into the World Series. There is not one team in the National League that can win more than one game against either of those three. So it's going to be a Red Sox World Series this year. They're going to win it. Uh, it could be a sweep. It doesn't matter if the Dodgers or Brewers get in. Uh, maybe one one of the other wins one game against the Red Sox. I just think the Red Sox are that good. Like I said, I thought the Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros, all three were just good enough to uh, know by the National League this year with touch either one of those three. So it's going to be a Red Sox World Series. But, uh, yeah, I'm just rooting for the Brewers to get in. It would be nice to be. And, you know, the Dodgers spent all this money and all these uh, big-name players and everything. And just them, once again, not getting to the World Series would be perfect.
1: Well, yeah, the Dodgers, just, they always get there, but they don't ever quite get there. What was the team you were asking about, the spread? Was it Oklahoma TCU spread? Was that what you were asking me about? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, TCU. Everybody says uh, TCU is going to come the spread. It's at seven and a half. So TCU plus seven and a half is, is where we're Vegas. I, I got the Vegas side up. That's what Vegas is saying. So that's what we're going to go with.
8: Uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma would cover that. I, I think uh, two touchdown win for Oklahoma, 10 points, two touchdowns. I, I think Oklahoma would cover that.
1: Well, we'll see what what goes on. And I'll tell you what, while we're standing by for Moe from the BS Sports Show, uh, Moe, uh, he is our official uh, betting expert. He's going to talk with us a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball uh, as well. But uh, let's talk a little bit about why we've got this up here and why we're standing by for Mo nine one seven eight nine eight five one six is our digits. If we want to talk some guys football or NFL with myself and Rick, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these these spreads. It looks like Auburn at Mississippi um, Mississippi to cover, but uh, a plus five, uh, but certainly with a loss there. I think most people would agree with that.
0: Yeah,
8: I don't know what to make of Auburn this year now. They look so good the season against Washington, and now they have just kind of fallen apart. Uh, I don't think they're going to play Alabama that tough this year in the Iron Bowl last game of the season. I think Auburn, just the way they've looked these past few weeks, could lose this game pretty easily.
1: So when we look at the Michigan-Michigan State game, that spread is a 7.5 with Michigan State to cover with Michigan State with a loss.
8: Yeah, it's another one. I, I I like this because they're rivals. Maybe that's why Michigan State hangs around this game and everybody wants just to look back and what Harbaugh's done against the rivals. Can't beat Michigan State or Ohio State. Uh, I, I, I think they just kind of roll over Michigan State today. I, I think they, they get it done. They win. They win big only because Harbaugh is going to go out there and just really make a statement this year. You know, it's a rival game. He's going to. Prove a point, finally. I think they're going to win big against Michigan State.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit. we got Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, joining us now. Mo, I know you're driving, and uh, we're going to get into some of our betting and bloodlines as well. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, myself and Rick Riggin. We were just talking a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers and the Dodgers uh, as we titled the show, The Brewers Dodged a Bullet. But I tell you what, I like this story. Uh, The Red Sox are red hot right now. Talk with us a little bit about the American series, and I want to specifically, Mo, talk with you about uh, a fan, a player, interference when it becomes not interference, because really, it's it's kind of, uh, if you're a a fan at a game and you're in the home team, and and you see somebody going for a ball, you kind of let them ma- try to make their move before you make group move, I, I know that this should have been a home run, a two-run home run. And I think that could have changed the outcome of this uh, American League series. We look, and you're a Cubs fan. We look back at Bartman. Is this a Bartman scenario with the Astros and Boston? And Boston obviously eventually going on to win and, and get into the world series. Do you think that changed the course of history for the Astros?
7: Uh, definitely changed the course of that game. The uh, You know, we talk a lot of times about, uh, we looked at Jeffrey mayer back with the Yankees, but he had his, hand out into the uh you know the playing field out over the uh, fence you know at this point uh you see a guy bets. his glove is actually in the stand so technically it was in the fans uh area so i don't have a i don't have an issue with it being a home run at that point because his glove was in the area of where the fans are you don't like it put up a taller wall and move the fans back away where they can't reach like that but he was in the fans area at that point so i think that usually should have been a home run
1: so we'll see. Uh, it's certainly one of those games that we'll be talking about through history. Man, the Brewers come alive at the plate last night. Uh, they have uh, opened up the doors. They're one game away away from getting to the World Series. Myself, I would love to see this uh, uh, Brewers team. I think the Red Sox are so hot right now, I don't know that anybody can stop them. Uh, but the Dodgers and the Red Sox, I think, is what America media wants to see. But I think us here in the Midwest, us that like those feel-good stories of the underdogs, this Brewers uh, team reminds me a lot of the Royals team a couple of years ago.
7: Yeah, they do. I mean, they uh, they have uh, a lot of mishmash parts put together to uh, put this group together. You know, the Dodgers are a team that spends money, so are the Red Sox. Uh, but, you know, when it comes time to see two teams showdown, I don't know that America wants to see the Milwaukee Brewers showdown with the Boston Red Sox. I think people want to see the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Uh, you know, and being a Cubs fan, I'd rather see the Brewers lose. I don't want somebody else coming in there with a championship uh, in the division. So I'd rather see the Brewers lose it.
1: Rick, Riggin, executive producer and host of Breaking Rank, and we're getting into some college football talk. But, Rick, uh, what do you got for Mo? We're going to get into some of our betting bloodlines here. I've got the spreads up for Mo uh, to help him out along the way because I know he's driving. I'm appreciating, taking some time to, to jump on with us and, and help us where to spend our money and where not to spend our money. But, Rick, what do you got for Mo?
8: Well, it was actually a, a reverse Spartan, you know, that as the terminology used for that, that, <laughs> that play. But, uh, Mo, uh, I guess my question is, any time if you're a player, I, I know he reached over the wall and kind of in the fans area to make the play, but isn't that really all a part about baseball? Uh, if you have a chance to make the play, uh, shouldn't you be given that dance? I mean, it shouldn't just be you're in the fans area now, so it should be considered a home run or whatever, I, I still think it was the right call. I think it was fan interference. I mean, I, I can't remember if you agree or disagree with that in what you said a little bit ago, but I just think anytime you have a chance to make the play on the ball, you should be given that chance.
7: No, I mean, I, I think you should be able to make a, a play on the ball too, but I think that, you know, just like where uh, Houston used to have the hill and the flagpole in center field, that was an obstacle. When you reach your hand, into the area where the fans sit, that's part of the obstacle of making the play. We see guys do it in foul balls all the time. You know, you, you, that's part of the obstacle now. If a fan would have reached over the wall, I agree that he should have had every right to continue to make that play unobstructed, but you know, the ball was where the ball was. The ball was a home run, so he was trying to take that away. So I think the fans, the arms there are an obstacle, and he didn't make the play. Uh, in worst case, it should have been a ground rule double, but probably a home run. Uh, you know again, if a fan would have reached out to impede him making a play I, I agree it should have been an out, but he was in the fans area at that point, making the play against like, with the fans as part of the obstacle of making it, and he didn't do it.
1: Mo, do you think this is anything to do is this is this at all like Bartman or are we just reading into that because we're familiar with the Bartman story?
7: uh I think we're reading into it because we want to make a story out of a series that that' right uh, <laughs> so I think we're just trying to make a story out of it. It's not it nearly the what was what was at play with the Cubs and the Marlins at that point with the Cubs' history of not making it to the World Series? It made it a much different thing. The Astros just won the damn thing last year. So I think we're trying to make a story out of it. Well, here's Our the thing. I think, Go ahead, Rick. Go ahead, Rick. Go ahead.
8: Yeah, situation. Ahead. That was the eighth inning, and the Cubs were up 3 nothing. And, uh, and that didn't the course of their history, basically. They ended up losing that game, losing the series. <laughs> and I guess you could say it's because of that. But in this situation, uh, the Astros were down anyway. So, not winning the series, it's reverse Bartman.
1: So, Mo, here's, I think at best this play does provide, this would have never been a reviewable play, even though uh, the MLB does have uh, uh, reviewable plays. They do, it has to happen at the, there's rules uh, for the replay that to happen and calls to be overturned. Uh, That does not occur in this particular situation, but I think it does open the case for discussion or debate that we put cameras on those foul line poles and cameras along those balls and make plays like this. Well,
7: I mean, they, they did look at it and talked and considered them out. The thing is, 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 again, if you don't want the fans to be a part of that play, make the wall higher, uh, set the fans back further. You know, at this point, it, unlike, uh, basketball and, and football every park is different every every uh, park is not set the same like in basketball and, and football so you're going to have these happen so if major league baseball wants to cure it that's where they could cure it but otherwise that uh, you know when the ball passes that wall theoretically it's a home run if you bring catches it, it brings it back it's not i mean it seems cut and dry at that point and again i, I think that they made the wrong decision
1: Okay, uh, Mo. Uh, Mo, from the BS Sports Show uh, has got his hand in Vegas and certainly our betting expert and who we uh, rely on on who to bet. If you if you do bet, we always like to say do it for fun and and don't uh, make it anything too serious. If you have a problem betting, uh, things to do on that. So when we talk about betting, this is all for weekend warriors uh, spending a little bit of extra money uh, uh, betting and and trying to just you know make a little extra man, uh, beer money or whatever if you will, some drunken duck money, if you will. <laughs> So that's Right, Rick? That's
8: right. Let's, uh,
1: let's uh, kind of go through some of these games, and uh, I send them to you in no particular order, um, but I do have the spreads open uh, for you as well. Uh, so we've got Michigan at Michigan State. We've talked about this game on the show a couple times today already, uh, but uh, we've got Michigan State losing, covering the spread at 7.5, according to Vegas here.
7: Uh, you know, I think this is going to be uh, one of those games where Michigan continues to show its dominance uh, like it did uh, last week in a big game. I-, I like the Michigan Wolverines in this game, and I like them by more than the spread. Uh, you know, we've seen Michigan State be tough, uh, taking down, uh, you know, rival Penn State. But, you know, I think this means a lot to Michigan this year. Jim Harbaugh is really trying to put his stamp uh, on this Michigan program, and I think they found their quarterback in Shea Patterson. Uh, I'm taking Michigan and giving the points.
1: So we got uh, North Carolina, uh, North Carolina State at Clemson, um, and they got Clemson winning at a minus seventeen and a half.
7: Yeah, I mean it's a big point spread, but uh, you know you factor in uh, everything that Clemson's done. They have played some tough games. They played some close games. They made the change of quarterback. Uh, you know, it's a lot of points. It's always so hard on these games. These are games normally that. I stay away from one of these big double-digit point spreads because you just never know on, on a Saturday. Um, if I was forced to bet it, I would probably take Clemson and give the points. But this is a game normally that I would stay away from just because of the point spread.
1: Let's talk a little bit about, uh, we talked about this game earlier, and that's Penn State and Indiana. Uh, Indiana, I think, can do a a good job against Penn State. I'm actually kind of disappointed in Penn State uh, this year, Uh, but they've got Indiana plus 14 uh, with a Penn State win.
7: Yeah, you know, uh, it's a lower point spread than I would have thought normally, but after the loss, Penn State suffered again the second in a row last week. Uh, you know, it, uh, it lowered the point spread. Uh, to me, it lowered the point spread enough to take Penn State. If you're going to bet Indiana, I always only bet them usually like in the first quarter, maybe the first half. Uh, but after two losses in a row, you would think that James Franklin would have the same ready just to try to destroy somebody. And, unfortunately, I think it's going to be the Hoosiers of Indiana. I would take Penn State uh, against my heart. But, again, that's when betting, you want to stay away from betting your heart and betting your head. I'm going to take Penn State and give the 14th.
1: Rick, uh, you got any uh, particular games that you want to talk with Mo about uh, before we go through some of these other games or point spreads or anything like that?
8: So that spread again, the game that Clemson-NC State, it just feels like the type of game like last week Notre Dame had with Pitt with Notre Dame's 21-point favorites. Uh, I just think that spread is way too much. That game is going to be a lot closer than what people think. Uh, you look what Clemson did against Syracuse or what Syracuse did against Clemson a couple weeks ago. Uh we got that type of scenario, I think, again today. It's going to be like a hard ball game. And I think Clemson gets the win, but it's going to be pretty close.
1: My, uh, Mo, uh, let's talk a little bit about Auburn at Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi, uh, a loss, but it's only a plus five.
7: Yeah, you know, For Mississippi uh, to cover. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, this is a game that uh, that Auburn's been another disappointment these last couple of weeks. Uh this is another game. See, the problem is, is when you're a better, you know, you want to uh, when you try to be a decent better. Like last week, my uh, I did horribly, and so this is uh, one of those weeks where you try not to you try not to recoup a loss by just betting games you don't feel. This is Another game that that I don't feel with my money, but uh, I like Auburn. Uh, I think in this game, uh, the five points not a big thing. I, I think the game's probably decided by a touchdown. So. I would take Auburn uh, at this point. But, uh, again, another game. I'm not trying to recoup everything in one weekend. Uh, That's where things tend to uh, double up and be terrible trouble. So uh, I would take Auburn, um, but uh, a game that I'm probably not going to bet on.
1: Well, uh, Rick and I talked about this game earlier, and that's Oklahoma at TCU. I mean, certainly Oklahoma uh, has the better record, but TCU could provide an upset here, and Vegas thinks that they'll cover the spread at 7.5, but Oklahoma will still win. But at a 7.5 spread, uh, this just goes to show what we talked about earlier, that TCU could definitely upset Oklahoma.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, these last couple of Saturdays have been scary with all these top ten and, and top twenty teams going down. Uh, but this is a game that uh, I think that Oklahoma rebound uh, seven and a half is is not a ton. I would have thought this game probably would have been originally you know ten ten and a half. Uh, I'll take Oklahoma and give the points.
1: And I was trying to see it. Rick. Uh, what else you got from Mo? I lost my spot here. I am so sorry. <laughs>
8: That's all right. I, I'm out of it too. I got that to, to promote this point. I was just on the Great Clips app and I checked myself in. So, for a haircut, right after the show here, I'm out of here. So, Mo, do
0: you use that? Great app. Clips.
8: Is there a Great Clips app? Yeah, up, up in northern, northern Indiana? <laughs> I do.
7: I, I use the app and I try to find the one. There's a bunch of them. So, I try to find the one that uh, has the least amount of check in time. But, but it's very key if you're going to the Great Clips to make sure to keep their notes so that way you're getting the. Uh, the same type of haircut every time you're not getting uh, all the crap uh, that you could get from right. some stylists who aren't uh, who aren't the best.
8: Hey, and a well, great clip if you're yeah. listening. The balance is sitting here waiting on your sponsorship dollars for all that free advertisement you just got. So my favorite thing about <laughs> checking No is there will be a huge line of people and there are waiting to, to get the haircut, and you just show up, and you check No online, you get to go in front of all those people, and they, they look at you like, what the hell? You know. So that's my favorite thing about the whole thing.
1: Well, like Chick-fil-A on the app, if you order on the app, you can just pick up your food and, uh just actually go to the drive-thru now, if you've got the app. By golly, Chick-fil-A wow. breakfast. We're going to get all kinds of sponsors here. Chick-fil-A, Sports Clips is who I go get my breakfast <laughs> right.
0: because
1: I get, I get a nice uh, scalp massage They give me a uh, – uh, uh, massage, i tell you what, it's all good. They don't give happy endings, though, so we don't want to give them the bad name or anything like that. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now, Mo, let's get into some of these NFL games. Tennessee and the Chargers across the pond in London. Real quickly, before we get into this game, guys, what do you think about the NFL having expansion teams in London? I, I, I as you all know, I'm a big fan of Clegg Travis. He's actually uh, he's actually over there this week, been doing his show all week from there. He says that the love of the NFL is like none other that he's ever seen. In fact, Wembley Stadium actually opens up the stadium, and they run American NFL games in the stadium when the. Uh, the game. So we'll start with your, Mel. What are your thoughts about an expansion team to London, Mexico? I'm not a big fan of it. I, I guess call me America, get off my lawn. This is my country. I don't want my football going anywhere else. I mean, just like we don't want Canadian football here, expansion leagues here, I think the NFL needs to stay within the United States.
7: Give Honolulu a team. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been okay because of uh, you know, it's not there all the time. And I, that's, you know, ticket prices for last week's game were the highest they've ever been. But if you give them eight games, does that uh, does that hurt it somewhat, the specialness of it? Uh, I mean, the thing is with it, I don't think you have to worry uh, immediately because uh, Sean Conn, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, has sent in his offer to buy Wembley Stadium, uh, which I think uh, shows that Jacksonville is probably not going to be the team that does go over there, which has been the team for how many years now? So, I think uh, Shad Tan not wanting to buy Wimbledon Stadium and rescinding his offer will keep all the teams uh, in the USA for at least right now.
1: Mo, what are your thoughts about uh, the NFL getting expensive teams across the pond? You mean Rick? You mean me? <laughs> yeah, Rick. You know, uh, you know uh, I'm actually <laughs> cool
8: with it. Uh, it's just... Uh, How's it going to work with the travel and the time difference? But, uh, you know, waking up at, like, you know, my time anyway, 8 o'clock in the morning on Sundays and there's football on is actually, like, great. I, I love that. So, in that sense, I'm cool with it. Uh, I mean, I'm not uber American thinking that American football should just be here in in the. 48 states, or maybe we give Alaska and Hawaii a team or something to keep it here to 50 states. If it wants to expand to London, I, I'm cool with it. I just don't know how it'll work with the time difference and the, what effect it'll have on teams that traveling and the time difference and everything.
1: Well, that story's been yet to be told, Mo. Let's go ahead and put our money down on some uh, uh, games, and we'll talk about that game there. Uh, uh, the L.A. Chargers, uh, minus 6.5 is the spread from Vegas.
7: Uh, I like the Chargers in the game. Uh, you know, Tennessee's output the last couple weeks has not been great. Uh, the one thing I like that the Chargers did is after the game in Cleveland, they spent four days in Cleveland uh, last week and then made their track over to London so they didn't have to go all the way back to the West Coast. I think that helps them somewhat uh, as well. I like the Chargers, their offense. Uh, I like the Chargers in this game and I give the points.
1: Let's go over to the AFC, stay in the AFC South. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville, Jacksonville at minus four.
7: Uh, you know, this Houston team has come on as of late uh, You know, we saw the Jaguars defense give up a ton of points The last two weeks in a row uh, I don't know if they're the defense we counted on I like the Texans to continue I'll take the Texans and, uh, and take the points Baker Mayfield at
1: Tampa uh, Tampa Bay minus three and a half uh,
7: You know, Tampa has, uh, has been uh, mediocre at best lately um, You know, even though they had a setback last week I like the uh, I like the Cleveland Browns in this game. I'm going to take the Browns and take the points.
1: Carolina at Philly, Philly minus five.
7: Uh, I picked this game. I put uh, my money on Carolina. Uh, you can be under a touchdown against the World Champs, and uh, you know the uh, the running game has not been great uh, with injuries for this football team. Uh, I like Carolina. I like Cam Newton against this defense. Uh, I took uh, Carolina. Took the points.
1: Guys, we're both homers here. Uh, We're all homers around the Indiana area. We all like the Colts, except for Rick doesn't like the Colts, but he does like to talk about the Colts. we got the Colts uh, host Buffalo, uh, Indianapolis, uh, minus 7.5. We'll start with you, Mo. What are your thoughts?
7: Well, the uh, line's higher than it would have been because uh, they're at their third-string quarterback with Derek Anderson. Uh, You know, the the injuries uh, for the Colts continue to be bothersome. Uh, I think the Colts win this football game. The line scares me at 7.5. Uh, I would probably take Buffalo and the points because I think the Colts win the game, but I don't know if they win by more than the touchdown.
1: Rick, what are your thoughts on the on the 7.5 uh, spread? Indianapolis, Buffalo at Indianapolis. This has got to be a win for Indianapolis. I keep saying this, but this just seems like an obvious statement. Yeah, I hear
8: that. I'm with Mo on this also. It, it's probably going to be a really close game. I'll take Indianapolis here. But the Bills team that beat the Vikings, he'll shows up and he's a lot of trouble here. So, But I think the Colts win a close game.
1: So we'll see what happens. Uh, Mo, we'll talk a little bit about your Chicago Bears. New England at Soldier Field. Chicago, a plus two and a half. Yep. Uh,
7: game that I will not be betting. I, you know, Khalil Mack's been uh, – nicked up and I don't know how that affects the Bears defense uh you know the Bears are getting points at home but it doesn't seem like enough um if I had them at the game I would probably take New England but it's a game I'm staying away from uh we're going to go to
1: Rick's Lions Lions at Miami Dolphins Miami plus three
7: uh you know uh, the Lions have been a very Jekyll and Hyde team uh, but I'm, I'm taking the Lions. I'm giving the points. I think it's a Lions victory.
1: Rick, what are your thoughts on your Lions and the Miami Dolphins this weekend?
8: I agree, even though earlier I said I didn't know what to make them just yet because, you know, they play great against New England and, and Green Bay, but these lower-level teams, they can't really seem to get it going against. But uh, I, I'll go with Mo. It's a spread three. I think the Lions win by a touchdown.
1: Interesting game here uh, We'll kind of wrap things up here Because I know that uh, Rick's got to get a haircut And Mo's driving But I do want to get uh, thoughts on these uh, L.A. Rams They are real deal They are legit They're at San Francisco The spread is 9.5 uh, San Francisco
7: Yeah, you know I, I wonder what C.J. Beth is going to show up uh, You know, he was able to hang with the Packers last week uh, You know, Rams continue to win I don't like the spread, but I do like the Rams a lot. I'm going to take the Rams and give the nine and a half.
1: All right, let's get the Monday night game. The Giants at Atlanta. Atlanta, I mean, the Giants are are not good at all. Uh, Falcons are doing all right. Atlanta, minus four.
7: I don't like either one of these teams, but honestly, I think they're both uh, terrible at this point. Uh, but uh, Atlanta is at home. You usually give three for that, and I think they win the game with the extra points. So I will take Atlanta and give the four points. All right, guys, thumbs up, thumbs down. Rick,
1: the Milwaukee Brewers go on to the World Series tonight. We'll find that out. Uh, Thumbs up, thumbs down. The Brewers go to the World Series.
8: Thumbs down. I think the Dodgers get it done.
1: Mo, thumbs up, thumbs down. The Brewers go to the World Series.
7: Thumbs down. I think the uh, Dodgers get it done.
1: I, as always, in the anomaly between the two of you, I'm going to go with thumbs up just because I like this story, and I think it would be a lot. I just think it'd be fun to see the Brewers, and I'm I'm the I'm the underdog uh, in this story. Uh, Rick, uh, any final words of wisdom other than going to great clips and check in on the app before you get your haircut? Uh,
0: no, uh,
8: I just hope the Irish can cover the spread today against Dubai, and. Uh, get a big win. They, they go the way win, win or lose today. So uh, I'll just say be good to everybody and I'll just uh, talk to you on Wednesday.
1: Sounds good. We look forward to it. and I promise not to have too many more drunken ducks. Uh, that was enough for me last night. Right.
7: <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Rick. We'll talk right, to you
1: soon. You guys. Oh, oh, where can people find your work in your masterpieces, sir?
7: Well, if you head over to my Twitter account now, go to my pinned tweet and uh, retweet it. Uh, the uh, the Powerball ticket, maybe you can share with me in, in the millions if we win tonight.
1: Absolutely. And to bring you into the loop of the story of the Drunken Duck, I'll send you a picture uh, afterwards. I'm going to actually post one on the balance as well. I was out last night with some friends at Paneri, uh Brothers uh, Deli here, and we had some drinks. And they made a drink uh, for us uh, that has... Various different liquors in it. I got the list here. I could read it to you, but uh, and then it kind of looks like a lagoon. And then they put these little uh, rubber duckies in the drink, and uh, it's one of those drinks that uh, start out real nice, but uh, after you've had a couple of them, they, uh, there's a reason they call them the drunken ducks. We'll leave it at that. So anyway, <laughs> so so Mo, you have yourself a good weekend, and uh, we'll look for talking with you again soon, sir.
7: Bye, buddy. You too. All right,
1: buddy. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. Guys, it's going to wrap it up, put a bowl on it. we got the clock has run out on us. Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, talking a little bit about the IndyCar funny season, if you will. A lot going on there, certainly, as we uh, learned and talked about. no Fernando Alondo, that's what we learned about with IndyCar today. NASCAR car round of eight in Kansas Uh, certainly, uh, we talked about with that with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Check them out, speedwaydigest.com. Rick Regan, host of Breaking Rank on Wednesday nights here and executive producer of The Balance. Talking college football. I'm Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, just talking with us on where to bet our money at and, and talking with us a little bit about the World Series and what's going on there. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Twitter, at T-Balance. Uh... You can you can really find us anywhere, uh, but uh, breaking rank uh, this breaking rank this Wednesday eight o'clock. Make sure that you join us. My name's Tom Marquis. Don't have too many drunken ducks and drive it in cool. We'll talk with you soon. Remember to download our podcast. My name's Tom Marquis El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces.